From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. All right, and here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars for the new year. Happy New Year 2023 now, 2023. Can you believe that? I know, it, it is incredible. Now, there are some changes to the show. We're going to discuss that. These are good changes. These are good changes. Uh, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. A very, very loaded show. Some tragic news. The unexpected passing of a motorsports legend yesterday. Um, also, we're going to talk about an update on the RPM Act. You know, I'm a big proponent of the RPM Act, uh, of how it supports motorsports. So we're going to discuss that. Uh, there is some news on it. And then we're going to talk about how a Florida man did something actually cool and interesting. You know the Florida man memes. Well, this Florida man set the world top speed record in a streetcar. Isn't that cool? That is incredible. Now, of course, if you love cars, you should love the RPM Act. The EPA wants to take away your ability to turn street cars into competition-only track cars, and in doing so, they are going to kill off grassroots motorsports. We can't let that happen. So what we can do about it, it's called the RPM Act. Now, NASCAR, F1, they have multi-million dollar budgets, multi-billion dollar budgets. They are not the target of the EPA. They aren't. Mysteriously, somehow. Funny how that works, right? No, it is you and me, the grassroots motorsports enthusiast. We are the target of the EPA, and we need to put a stop to them. The EPA says you can't turn a street car into a competition-only track car. And um, they say that is going to be violating all sorts of rules and regulations. Not real laws, no, just policies that they pass that you know, nobody voted on. So we need to stop them from doing that. This affects everybody, whether you race cars or not, because the companies that sell your cool catback street legal exhausts, they make a lot of their money from racing and we can't let them go under. They would be put out of business by this. Lots of American jobs, lots and lots of American industry, and of course, an American pastime. That's what racing is. That's what we do here in the United States. It's a good thing, and uh, the RPM Act supports this. We can fight back. Check it out. SaveOurRaceCars.com is an easy way for you to write your state representative and let them know what you think. Several listeners of this show have already done that, and uh, they've gotten responses, and uh, I think that's fantastic. That means we're making progress. Now, like I said in the a couple minutes ago here, uh, we do have some news about the RPM Act. It's not good news yet, but it's not necessarily bad news, so we're going to talk about that in the second segment of the show. Um, but before we get into that, Happy New Year. I know it is it is the new year and a very interesting and exciting inauguration of the video studio too. Now, my, my listeners on audio um, may not notice anything different because it's audio and you can't see it. But for my viewers on Rumble and YouTube, you can see it and uh, you can see me now for better or for worse. If... Um, if it's proven to be traumatic for you, I uh, I apologize, and uh, you can write the complaints department uh, at thespeedcouncil.org. But that being said, we are on video now. I've talked about this for a good while. I've been uploading my audio-only shows to YouTube and uh, Rumble, and that's been going well. I've been uploading those in, in mass. I've, I have a huge backlog of them. I have like 50 of them, and uh, so I've been uploading one of those every day. Took a little bit of a break over the holidays. 
Now we are on video, so you can not only hear the show, but you can see the show. And around me here, uh, I'm pointing to it as if my audio-only listeners can um, can see it. But uh, around me, I have set up shop here in my garage, and uh, and there's a uh, crusty Corolla behind me. I couldn't think of a uh, better use for my uh, crusty AE86, and uh, so it's sitting right there. I can I can touch it. That's cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, by the way, if you're looking on video and you're like, ew, it looks nasty. It looks crusty. It looks almost salty. Yeah. Did you drive it in the winter on the salty roads? You bet I did. And I haven't even washed it yet. I know I'm a heathen. So <laughs> what, what can you do in God? We trust. And in Toyota's we rust. That is how this saying goes. Um, now I have a few automotive new year's resolutions. Perhaps you're doing new year's resolutions. Uh, most of us forget about them after a week or two. Uh, but my uh, automotive New Year's resolutions are to have at least half of my cars running and driving at any moment and also buy less cars that don't run, which I only bought two last year. So I'm actually I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good on that. Um, and of course, um, make more shows and have more fun doing this for you. Doing this on video was a big goal of mine. It's taken a while to set up, you know, and uh, a lot of this stuff does take time. It takes effort. It takes money. Of course, the Patreon subscribers help out with that money part there, and uh, they also get early access to the show. A bunch of other great perks, too. Uh, check it out at thespeedcouncil.org. Again, that's thespeedcouncil.org. And uh, now the Patreon may notice that this show is not coming out on early access, and that's because of some of the breaking news nature of this show. I really wanted to get this one up today as soon as possible. So, there was uh, breaking news that happened last night. I was uh, actually here in the garage setting all this up when I heard the news break. And uh, pro driver Ken Block has passed away at the age of 55. You may know Ken Block from all sorts of different things. He is definitely a person who is very well known, very well respected in the racing scene, in the automotive scene, in media and all sorts of things. And um, what happened here? We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about what happened. We're going to talk a little bit about Ken Block as a person remembering some of the truly fantastic things that he did and that he pioneered. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened. And uh, by now, perhaps you, you have heard of uh, you know, the, what, what happened. Uh, it's amazing how fast news travels, but um, he was uh, snowboarding, or not snowboarding, rather, he was snowmobiling in Utah, and uh, when he was involved in an accident, and uh, the Wasatch County Sheriff's Department, uh, the Sheriff's Department there said in a press release that he was, quote, riding a snowmobile on a steep slope when the snowmobile upended, landing on top of him. He was pronounced deceased at the scene from injuries sustained in the accident, end quote. Now, Hoonigan, you may be very familiar with Hoonigan. Lots of folks are. If you're not, they are a media machine, as they like to be called. They do all sorts of fantastic videos on YouTube, lots of stunt driving videos, the Gymkhana videos. They, they do all of that stuff. Ken Block was really the, you know, one of the, he was one of the co-founders and definitely a huge part of what has become Hoonigan. Now, they said... In a statement uh, released on their Instagram, quote, Ken was a visionary, a pioneer, and an icon, and most importantly, a father and a husband, uh, end quote. Now, it, Ken Block will be incredibly missed. Uh, Hoonigan says uh, they ask that folks right now respect his family's privacy um, and, uh, you know, respect 
their time of grieving right now. It's not the time to berate them with questions on on social media. But it's it's truly tragic news that will be felt across the automotive world in the racing communities um, and, of course, in our hearts. Ken Block has probably been an inspiration to all sorts of people. To to some people, he was to some people he was the LeBron James of racing and motorsports. Uh, you know, to people who are enthusiasts and even wider than that, you know, when, when I heard about this, I, I heard about it on ABC news, you know, ABC was reporting on it. NBC was reporting on it. All the national outlets reporting on it. Ken block truly had a very wide reach. Um, and there's probably nobody in the automotive uh, world, at least under the age of 30, who doesn't, doesn't know who Ken block is. Um, and even, even above that, I mean, the dude was truly a legend, truly a legend. Of course, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Of course, this is a very difficult time. It's a very sudden loss of a um, of a loved one. Whether or not he's a celebrity, that doesn't matter. It was a very sudden and tragic loss for his family, uh, who is now without a father. So again, uh, I do also agree with Hoonigan that his, his family should be respected. They should be left to grieve right now. Uh, and it, of course, it's, it's not time to berate them on social media. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about a little bit of Ken Block's legacy. Some of the really incredible stuff he did. He he is truly, you know, I think he's an icon. He is an icon in the automotive world, and you know he's been doing automotive things for for decades now. You may know, know some of his videos. You may know about the Unicorn. You may know about these fantastic cars that he drove. He was on Top Gear, old Top Gear, back with. Uh, James May, Clarkson, and Hammond. He did that stunt driving scene that is made famous from old Top Gear of him jumping the Subaru rally car over a jump behind a dirt biker and with a C-130 flying right next to it. I mean, incredible stuff. Um, and uh, he, he did a lot of stuff, though, too, outside of that. Uh, what you may not know is that Ken Block um, was one of the founders of um, DC Shoes. That was a new one I learned when I was looking looking this up that, you know, Ken Block has, um, has been in all sorts of, of different industries. Um, like I said, uh, DC shoes, um, he joined rally America, the rally America series in 2005. He posted five top five finishes in his debut season. Um, he, he really came out with a, a bang, he really started with it, did some incredible different things. Um, apparently, so what happened to in 2008, Going along the timeline, 2008, he uploaded a very famous video to YouTube, and um, and that garnered him, you know, doing amazing acts of driving, Jim Connor, as it's as it's become called. Um, and I mean, his videos, some of his videos have been viewed 50 million times. That is incredible. If there was a dude who was passionate about cars, if there was a dude who was passionate about driving. And, and, and the, the love we have for motorsports, it was this guy. And, uh, and I think that's, I think that's fantastic. You know, people are saying, well, this, this accident was tragic and it was, um, and, uh, but you know, a guy like him needs to be remembered by the legacy, all the amazing things that happened and, um, and, and he did all sorts of stuff. It doesn't take you, but a, a Google search to see hundreds of videos that he just had absolute expertise in driving in, of course, his his um, uh, devotion to, you know, promoting the driving he did, the things that he did, the role model that he was, 
all of this good stuff, all of this good stuff. Um, now, most recently, before he passed away, he teamed up with Audi to do a Audi e-tron electric all-wheel drive crazy racing machine and uh, did some fantastic stuff with even that, too. And that's an electric car. And uh, you know my thoughts on electric cars, and I, I'll, resp I'll respect that one. I, I actually respect a lot of them. I, I, I had a few viewers comment on my, um, my opinions on electric cars. We'll, we'll save that for another day. Uh, I think they're, it's all fun stuff. But anyway, Ken Block, fantastic dude. Fantastic dude. A, again, a tragedy to lose him. That is for sure. And um, he was uh, on Motor Trend. He was ranked among the top most, uh, the top 50 most influential industry figures for both 2015 and 2017. And uh, they remarked, quote, that no one can get America more excited about non-NASCAR motorsports than Ken Block. And the same can be said a decade later. Well said, Motor Trend. Well said. Uh, of course, we will, um, we will very dearly miss Ken Block. And, um, and again, you know, my thoughts and prayers go to his family. They're dealing with a very tough time. And, of course, we need to give him space. But remember the legacy, the fantastic things that he did. And that's what we are going to do. Now, hey, coming up here... In the next segment of the show, we've got a lot of other things to get to here. We're going to talk about the RPM Act. A really important update on this has come out. We're going to break that down, what it means and what it means for you. That's coming up here in just a minute. And now for how things work with an engineer. Engines. Speed. And that was how things work with an engineer. More of how things work can be found at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. All right, here we are rocking it for the second half of the automotive ADHD show heard right here on Spotify. YouTube as well, Rumble, and on the radio, Saturday mornings, 91.7 KLZR. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars. You have tuned into the correct car show. And, uh, of course, those car sounds. That was Steph's new-to-him Shelby GT350. I've played that sound a couple of times. I really, I really like that one. That one's a lot of fun. It's crazy hearing a V8 scream all the way up to 8,000 RPM. And then some. So very cool stuff. You can send in your car sounds, by the way. Not only can you, but you should send in your car sounds. Uh, I, I love playing them here on the show. Not only do I play them here on the show, but you have the ability to win free stuff when I do. I, uh, I send in the car sounds. I pick at random from all the car sounds I've received a winner who will win an automotive ADHD keychain, which... Uh, I'm slacking. I'm doing this on video now, and I don't even have one to show you. I know it's somewhere over there, but um, you get the keychain, you get the sticker, and you get a $25 gift card to an auto parts store. It's a small drop in the bucket, but every little bit helps when you have a project car, and I want to help you out because you're helping me out. You're playing. You're giving me car sounds to play, which brings me immense joy and satisfaction. That's really the only reason I do this. So uh, you should send those car sounds in. Alternatively, you can. Um, you can put them on a flash drive, and uh, you can you can uh, tape them to 
I don't know. Um, oh gosh, I'm I'm running out of speed parts ideas here. Um, I don't know. Tape them to another set of Fortunato 500 coilovers, uh, 510s, by the way. This time for a um, uh, a86, and uh, send them to me, and I'll play your car sounds for forever. So, uh, sound like a deal? Sounds like a deal to me. Uh, or you know, you could just put them on the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Automotive ADHD. That's what normal people do, I guess. Or you can email me, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com. Get those car sounds sent into the show. Um, now, a piece of lighter news that um, I want to talk about here uh, before we get into the RPM Act. A couple of serious topics today. We talked about ten, uh, Ken Block. Uh, we're going to talk about some unfortunate news with the RPM Act. and uh, But but we're going we're gonna to put in some happy news here, okay? I like this. Uh, hat tip to Peter Holdereth. Um, from the drive who reports on the Italian federal police uh, who apparently have a couple of Lamborghinis in their police car fleet. Uh, and they use them on, on the regular, apparently. Now, one thing they enjoy using the police cars for is transporting organs to hospitals, organ transplants to hospitals. And uh, they've, they've, they've done this before uh, to say the least, but the uh, Italian police over the holidays decided to take their uh, their one of their Lamborghinis and stretch its legs a little bit to deliver two kidneys to Rome and Modena and uh, to to Rome and so <laughs> what they what they did was um, they decided to okay take the organs they got their little crate of kidneys they're gonna take to a hospital who needs them and um, then uh, then you know just drove them to the hospital. In a rather quick fashion, they did, um, and <laughs> they didn't say specifically this time on their social media what they did, but last time they did this, they delivered a kidney over 300 miles in two hours, which averages out to about 145 miles per hour. The only thing I want to know is how do the Italian police decide who gets to drive the cool Lamborghini? I mean, it just... They, they don't just they probably don't just give the keys to any policeman on the force. You got to be I don't know. You had to do something to make the boss happy. Bring him some donuts, some coffee. I don't know. I don't know what you have to do if you're a policeman in, a, in Italy to get to drive this car because their whole fleet's not Huracans and Lamborghini. Well, Lamborghini Huracans, which is what this was specifically. This was uh, specifically um, a 2017 Huracan LP 610-4. Uh, which means it has 610 horsepower, naturally aspirated V10, very nice, um, and all-wheel drive, most importantly. So you can enjoy all of that V10 glory, even if it's snowing, uh, and you have good tires, and you want to drive your Lamborghini in the snow to deliver some kidneys to a hospital, and you're an Italian policeman, I guess that's what you get to do. Now, what's interesting about this, um, not only do Italian policemen obviously have the coolest job in the world, um, but Peter Holdreth from The Drive points this out. He says that he reckons, and I agree with this, that, that using a Lamborghini to, to do such tasks is actually cheaper than having a helicopter, a police helicopter. Um, police uh, Helicopters cost many millions of dollars. They cost many hundreds of thousands of dollars to operate over the course of a year. They're not just, it's not just the fuel, it's all the maintenance, it's the rigorous maintenance schedule that, you know, federal uh, bodies that regulate aviation in different countries, that they require um, vehicles like airplanes and helicopters. It's, it's so expensive to operate a helicopter. 
And arguably, yes, this Lamborghini might have cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, but that's a drop in the bucket compared to operating a helicopter. I mean, that's that's cheap. That's pennies, honestly. And uh, what's amazing is it's probably about just as fast, too. Um, again, they averaged in uh, 145 miles an hour. Incredible stuff. That is quite the vehicle uh, capable of doing that. And um, this makes sense, though. I mean, if you're a small police department, you're a small county police department, um, then why not have a Lamborghini? What you need to do, if you're if you work in a police department, okay, and I, I know folks who listen to the show do, if you work in a police department, you need to convince the department that instead of buying a helicopter, uh, we need a Lamborghini, specifically a Huracan LP610-4. We need one of those. And you need to convince them of this because they might say, well, we need a helicopter to do this and that, but we're really small. So we, we don't really, we can't really justify the purchase of a whole helicopter. But occasionally you might need to go really fast like this here to uh, transport some kidneys or something. Uh, well, that's where, the, that's where the Lamborghini comes in because it's a fraction of the cost of the helicopter. And so I think you would have great luck convincing your police department, if you're a police officer uh, and working in a small town, I, I think you would have great luck convincing them that this is the fiscally responsible way to spend some taxpayer dollars. The taxpayers are paying you. You might as well use the money on something like this. The helicopter's out of the budget. Oh, well, get the Lamborghini. And uh, I think that would be a, um, a pretty reasonable decision. I, I would be happy with that if if my city decided to do that. So I would have uh, zero complaints. I think that would be fantastic. So um, there you go. Putting some Lamborghinis to some good use. I like that. Now, let's talk about the RPM Act. Okay, so the RPM Act. You heard me talk about it at the open of the show. I've been talking about it at the open of every show for, I can't count how many episodes now, because it's that important. It is so important to me that I dedicate a minute, two minutes of my time and your time to talking about it because it is that important. The RPM Act is crucial to how we enjoy cars. Um, so as I talked about, talked about it before, um, the RPM Act, just a brief synopsis here, uh, what it does is it limits the EPA's authority to regulate how you use a street car and turn it into a track-only race car. We're not talking, the RPM Act is not talking about um, you know, making street-driven, registered, insured vehicles exempt from uh, emissions. Uh, it's not talking about that at all. It is talking only and specifically about race cars. The EPA says, yes, we support racing. We love NASCAR. We love F1. And that's all you need. Completely overlooking the existence of the grassroots. In fact, completely overlooking the existence of not just grassroots, but several large racing sanctioning bodies that exist and operate on a daily basis who fundamentally race streetcars that have been converted for track use. Um, I mean, look at it this way. Uh, look at it, it, it. There's very, well, there's probably a few, but there's very little, uh, there are very little amount of drivers who, you know, racing drivers, professional drivers who got their start purely out of just jumping in a NASCAR, a purpose-built race car, a chassis-built from the ground up to be a race car. Because you know what those are? Those are expensive. You don't learn in one of those. You learn by taking uh, you know, a cheap project car, as I point towards my rusty Corolla. You learn by taking a cheap project car, fixing it up, making it fast, and taking it to the track. And then you know what you do? You get a little better. You put you know, a roll cage in it. You start getting competitive. You start racing in different 
sanctioning groups going up in the ladder. That's what you do. You start getting better. You start getting faster. You start getting more competitive. The car becomes a race car only. You're no longer registering it on the street. You're towing it to the racetrack now. And you're racing that. And you're getting better. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people do this every single year. And they've been doing this un, uh, unencumbered by the EPA for a very long time, uh, for a significantly long amount of time. They've been doing this for 45 years, 50 years. Think back, at least in the United States, to the days of the, the, the birth of NASCAR. NASCAR was birthed out of the Prohibition era when guys were smuggling booze and they were, you know, they were modifying their existing streetcars to go faster, well, to outrun the cops, because the cops didn't have Lamborghinis back then. Um, and they were using, they were, they, they were doing that. And then in their spare time, they were taking those cars and racing them around dirt ovals. And that became NASCAR. The very roots of NASCAR were taking streetcars and turning them into track cars. The EPA says you can't do that. The EPA, who, by the way, you don't vote for officials at the EPA. You don't vote on the decisions they do. They enact a top-down policy that we are going to now start coming after people who are modifying their cars for track use. How are they coming after people? Are they coming after the grassroots? They absolutely are. Not only have they come after individuals in certain cases, um, they have come after mostly businesses, not so much individuals. There have been little cases here and there, but predominantly businesses, companies who sell you parts to turn your car into a track car. Um, this is, uh, this was, uh, you know, this is becoming more and more well-known. More and more companies are starting to shy away from selling speed parts, especially if those speed parts, um, you know, in any way, shape or form, alter the emissions characteristics of the cars. And now the environmentalists out there say, well, yeah, it's all about emissions anyway. Who cares if it's racing or on the street? Um, and the fact is the race cars are such an infinite, infinitely small portion of the emissions that are generated as a whole. They're so insignificant in comparison to the grand scheme of things, of the all the road cars around the world, um, that it's not relevant. It just isn't. Not only that, it, it violates a lot of what we consider to be um, valid private property law, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but in my opinion, if you bought the car, it's yours. State doesn't own it. You're racing it on a racetrack, which is private property. State doesn't own that either. Um, so they can't really tell you what you can do with it. I mean, you're not murdering anybody. You're not hurting anybody. You're not breaking any other laws otherwise. Uh, and bear in mind, these so-called emissions laws, I don't even really think they count as laws. I mean, laws have to be voted on by the public. Laws have to be... There's a big process in which laws take effect. Um, there's a huge process to that. And the EPA just comes and makes a policy. They just say, this is what it is take it. And uh, the RPM Act is us saying we're not going to take it. The EPA, in this case, which, by the way, overlooked motorsports for like 50 years entirely, now say that you can't do that. You can't do that. It, it's, it's not really your car. It's not really your car because we can tell you what to do with it. And, um, and you can't go race it. And you can't modify it to go racing. And, uh, and if that gets under your skin as much as it, it does mine, you can tell I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this topic. Uh, it should. It should bug you as a car enthusiast. Again, whether you race or not, this should bug you. And the EPA, the EPA at this point is a cancer. We, at, at this point, in my opinion, we need to do away entirely with the EPA. Um, it needs to be completely uprooted from what it currently is because this is just a, a huge, clear overreach 
of um, of authority um, that doesn't exactly follow the grounds of what the rest of our government here in the United States is at least designed to operate in. You know, the system of checks and balances. The EPA is just entirely unregulated here, just doing what it wants. So uh, I think the EPA needs to absolutely be dismantled and uh, we need to start from the ground up with it again. But that being said, okay, so there's your there's there's your introductory course into what's going on. The RPM Act here, here's here's the news. Here's what's new. If you listen to all of that, you already know that you've been a longtime listener of my show. Uh, you may have even already written your state representatives. Um, the unfortunate news here is that the RPM Act has not passed in the 117th Congress, meaning the Congress up until the end of New Year's. We have now a new Congress. We're now in the 118th Congress. Uh, and uh, as of recording this, they're trying to decide on who's the speaker and a lot of things that aren't the EP uh, or the uh, RPM Act, rather. A lot of things that aren't the RPM Act. But that being said, it failed to pass it. That doesn't mean that it was voted down. It is a downer because uh, it means we kind of have to start over again. Um, not necessarily entirely from scratch because, again, it what happened is um, there was a disagreement with some of the wording of the of the EP, or the I keep calling it the EPA Act now. That's not what it is. It's to do away with that EPA. Um, but it uh, there was some disagreements between a couple of representatives about how the RPM Act is worded. And uh, that being said, they didn't come to an agreement. That means they didn't all vote yes or all vote no on it. In fact, by the way, um, it might interest you to know that this is one of the biggest bipartisan bills um, that has actually uh, gone into the um, the Congress. I mean, this has had massive support both from uh, Republicans and Democrats, uh, and so it's not a not a partisan issue. Um, and uh, what it means now, though, is that uh, SEMA, who is one of the major backers of the RPM Act, um, and uh, PRI, and all these different folks need to kind of start again, need to reword the bill. Now it needs to go back through the process, through the bureaucratic process, get some things rolling again, get this bill in such a way, uh, or this act rather, get this act in such a way that the members of Congress can agree upon the wording and actually deliver a vote on it. So that's why I'm not telling you the news is, well, we lost with the RPM Act. It wasn't passed. Well, it wasn't passed, but they didn't vote it down. It was not voted in a no vote. It was not completely obliterated. Um, but what it means now is as the 118th Congress is uh, assembled and Congress does all of its other things, the million other things on their plate um, and all the bureaucratic uh, nonsense sometimes. Uh, but uh, that said, you know, now we have to wait more. But that also means... There's more time. This is a good thing in a way, because there is more time for you to get in touch with your state representatives about how and tell them how you feel about it. Um, this is one of those things that, you know what, like I said, those Congress people, congressmen and women are are busy. They're doing a million other things right now. This is a footnote to them. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I heard about that. I, I don't know. We'll 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 take a look at it. Um, no, we need to tell them in force, in mass, how we feel about it. Um, or else they really don't know. They need to know how their constituents, the people they represent, feel about uh, about this. They need to know that. They need to know we care a lot about it. This might be a footnote in their agenda for the day, but they need to know that we're serious about it. So this gives us more time. That gives us more time to figure this out. That gives us more time to work its way back through the bureau bureaucratic process 
and um, and make its way to a vote and actually be decided on. Um, the good news is that the EPA is not really doing anything while this is happening. Um, so that's it's not that they're not doing anything. They're definitely coming after businesses for all sorts of things. But on the grand scheme of things, right? They haven't they haven't completely uh, started with this a hundred percent. So and and they really can't until this gets voted on. I mean, this is uh, this is an important thing. It's uh, you know, there's so many people. There's so much backing behind it. There's so much motorsports heritage behind it. Um, you know, and uh, you know, for instance, here. Um, and uh, got to give a hat tip to um, uh, Stephen Cole Smith from uh, Haggerty Media for for talking about this. Um, but that uh, you know, there's there's a lot of support with say Richard Petty, by the way. Um, you know, Richard Petty, famous, famous in NASCAR. Um, and, uh, and he has made dozens of trips to Washington on behalf of the RPM Act to talk about it, to talk about why it's important. He even emphasizes um, that uh, Richard Petty even says, quote, the RPM Act is essential to the racing industry and protecting the careers of young racers all over the country. He goes on to say, quote, during most of my racing career, my fellow NASCAR drivers and I competed in the race cars that started out as street legal vehicles. That's how people get into racing. Yes, there's the exception of the insanely rich kid with insanely rich parents who starts out racing go-karts when he's, you know, six months old uh, before he can walk. And then he gets into, you know, all sorts of racing things by the time he's eight and is a pro F1 driver by the time he's 12. Yeah, that happens, but that's that happens a lot. But I still think that's the exception. A lot of guys get into this through the grassroots right way, and that's one thing I love about racing. Um, it's something you can watch, you can be excited by, you can watch it as a you know a, as a sport to be entertained. Uh, but then it also becomes a participatory sport. You can say that's really cool. I like watching racing. I want to go racing. Okay, I'm going to go build a race car. I'm going to go get seat time. I'm going to go get good at it. And uh, then I'm going to go be a race car driver. You can do that. That's the beautiful thing about that. Um, you know, not many people go from watching football to becoming the next Tom Brady just because they watched some football and then said, yeah, I'm going to go start playing football at the local you know, park and become Tom Brady. Not many people do that. A lot of people do that in racing, though. A lot of people start out watching racing, deciding to build a race car, going out and making their mark on the local tracks in the local groups, getting fast and eventually going professional. A lot of that happens, you know, and this is, this is, a, this is key to it. Um, and, uh, so far, I mean the, the, I will say the RPM act wouldn't have made it this far without, you know, all the support that it's already gotten without all the people who've already done it without all the viewers of this show, you know, who you are, who wrote your state representatives and let them know how you feel. And we can do it. We can be successful with this. Um, this is a temporary setback, but that's all it is. And uh, I'm confident we can get the RPM Act passed. There's uh, there's so much support for it. Uh, but we have to. We all have to chip in for it. That's the thing. If you say, well, everyone else is supporting it. You know, everyone else is doing it. All my friends are doing it. That should be enough. No, it's not enough. You do. We gotta all do it. That's that's the key here. So I'll. Um, I'll get off my soapbox for this segment of the show. Uh, I know we got into some we got into some heavy topics here. The RPM Act is a big favorite of mine to talk about because it is so important. Because I am so enthusiastic about it. But there's so much more stuff to talk about. Of course, we're going to talk about next um, how a dude in Florida 
set a land speed record for a streetcar. And uh, he did it in a streetcar that he says he even takes his kids to school in. So we're going to talk about that. Just a reminder, this show is now on video as well. Catch it on Rumble, YouTube. The links are in the description for this podcast. You can check it out. Of course, remember to subscribe to it on your podcast platforms as well. Stick around for this next segment. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft, child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep, that was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell, we even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. And here we are for the third half of the Automotive ADHD show. Matt West here hanging out with you, talking cars, all sorts of good stuff. Thank you for tuning into the show. Those car sounds were sent in by Cameron. Uh, that's, that's a great launch, by the way. I love that. That's fantastic. Send those car sounds in. If you haven't done it yet, what can I say? You're slacking. Send them in. Get, send those car sounds in. Tell all of your friends that the uh, that your car is on this podcast and this radio show. It's not just heard as a podcast. It's on It's on the radio, too. Isn't that cool? I think that's fantastic. I, I personally think you should do it. Um, but of course, what am I going to do? Tell you, tell you not to do it? Of course not. So you should send them in facebook.com slash automotive ADHD, uh, Matt at throttlewarrior.com. You can email me that way too. all sorts of good stuff. Uh, get in there as well. And, and like the Facebook page, I've seen some great growth on that in the uh, past couple weeks. We're, we're still small, but we're growing and you rock for sharing it and following it there. So I do appreciate that. And uh, now I want to, I want to talk about a couple of things here. Uh, in the last segment of the show. Uh, namely, before we talk about a land speed record, uh, I do need to mention this. So Ferris Bueller's wrecked Ferrari has now sold, by the way. So the um, if, you've, if you see it in the movie, the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a classic, a cult classic at this point. Um, there's a scene where the car is, I won't spoil it, but it is it meets an untimely demise. This beautiful red Ferrari uh, 250 GT California Spider. Oh, man. Very cool car. Um, and um, <laughs> so the car, it, it meets its end, and it sits there, and there's a shot of it all wrecked and smashed up. Well, that they didn't, for the movie, wreck an actual Ferrari um, 250 GT California Spider. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. It's a replica car. It is a complete, it is, it is essentially a sculpture that they built for that scene in the movie. Um, yet what's amazing um, is uh, that it, it sold and it sold for a considerable amount of damage. Um, and, uh, and now it's interest or a considerable amount of damage. Is that what I said? Considerable amount of money. I guess that you could call that damage. <laughs> um, now it was sort of, 
restored as a display piece. So it's not as wrecked as it might seem. It was restored as a display piece um, for promoting the film and doing doing some other stuff. But the fact is, it fell about 30 feet, for real. And uh, it has no engine, no drivetrain. It's just a fiberglass body on a rolling chassis, has an interior in it, and uh, that's about it. But it is a piece of movie. It is a piece of cinema heritage. Um, and it is really cool. Sold at auction to an, uh, an anonymous bidder who bid over the phone, by the way. And um, here's, here's how much it sold for. You ready for this? $337,500. Whoo! That is a bargain by Ferrari 250 standards. Ferrari 250s, especially the 250 GTO. I mean, they, they, they have made headlines for being some of the most expensive cars at auction. So this is really, it is a bargain when you think about it. It is totally a bargain. Um, now, what's amazing is the, the person who bought it has now re-listed the car. $506,250. You got to get him his extra 250 bucks there at the end. I'm just saying you do. Um, also, if you're, <laughs> if you're watching the video here, I have, to, I have to interject into my story here. You'll notice one of the studio lights just turned off. They're, um, they're battery powered. I'm in my garage, as you know, doing this. That's how cold it is in here. The, the, that battery should last for like two and a half hours. And I, I didn't mention this, but my, uh, my short, my short side in this here in building this beautiful video studio in the garage, um, was that my garage isn't insulated and it's currently blizzarding outside. It's cold. It's terrible. There's like three, four inches of snow on the ground already. Um, so yeah, I, I have a, um, I have a heater off, uh, off camera here, just pointing like directly at me. Uh, cause it's miserably cold. So, uh, yeah, the, that, that light has succumbed to the lithium ion batteries, um, disdain for the cold, uh, much like, um, the lithium ion batteries found in Tesla vehicles and, uh, the Ford F-150 lightning. So, uh, just a brief, uh, brief interjection there. I don't, I don't edit this stuff that just happens. So, uh, you know what? There you go. This is, it's the first video. It's the inaugural video. Um, I guess this stuff happens. Uh, that probably means this one here to my left is, uh, your right is going to, uh, is going to go out any minute now. Uh, they have these huge honking lithium ion batteries on them, by the way, they take like all night to charge. So, um, yeah, well, there you go. So if that goes out, you know what, we're just going to keep doing the show in the dark. Uh, it'll just be, you know what, if you're watching the video, it'll be just like what the audio listeners are used to seeing, which is nothing. So uh, anyway, <laughs> carrying on this, uh, this Ferris Bueller Ferrari replica that was used in the actual film could be yours could be yours for a crispy $506,250, which is um, still a bargain compared to any other 250. So uh, there you go. You can go bid on it if you want. Uh, that's up to you. Now, next story here. Uh, this is the last one for the day here for the week, for the new year. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Johnny Bomer who has set the world record for a streetcar and a top speed run in said streetcar. Now, his streetcar is a 2006 Ford GT that's been substantially modified, uh, but not terribly so. Looking at it, at least, it still looks a lot like a streetcar until you get around the back and you see all of the exhaust setup for the turbos. Um, but it's got some aerodynamic modifications. It's got a roll cage in it, number of other things, presumably different gearing. Um, yes, and turbos. Makes 2,700 horsepower. 2,700. Um, so he says, quote, I bought the car brand new and pretty soon after I bought it, 
it, I wanted to make it the first car to go 250 miles an hour. So, and then he did that. He did that back in 2010. So then he set his goal for 300 miles per hour, uh, which is crazy. I remember watching, um, I, I think it was, it was years ago. I think, it, I believe it was on Top Gear. They set a, um, you know, they went out to set the, the record in the Bugatti Veyron. It was something like 256 miles an hour. It doesn't feel like all that long ago, but I guess it is. Um, and uh, this guy did it. And I love, speaking of the grassroots, speaking of the things that are protected by the RPM Act, this stuff, um, this stuff literally wouldn't be possible without the RPM Act. And it's a, what's amazing is this streetcar record has been set not by a manufacturer, not by Bugatti, not by that. This has been set by a dude building his car in his garage. Isn't that incredible? Um, now, what he did is the Ford GT initially stock came with a 550 horsepower supercharged 5.4 liter V8 top speed 205 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. Not fast enough for Johnny Bomer, though. Um, he replaced the supercharger with twin turbos, um, did all sorts of different things, uh, and um, now makes a ton of horsepower, 2,700 horsepower. I might have misspoke and said 2,600 earlier, but it's 2,700 horsepower. Um, and, uh, it's street legal. It's got license. It's got insurance. It's got license plates and it's got Z rated street tires. It's not on track slicks. It's not. And he even says that for years, he took his kids to school in this thing. And, um, the Ford GT is of course a really good car for this. It has a, I, not only is the shape of the car iconic and beautiful, uh, and one of the most gorgeous production cars, uh, in my opinion, one of the most. Um, we won't get into the most yet, but it is definitely one of the most. And, uh, but all of those aerodynamics play a role. It, they do a real thing. They, they, they do a real task. It's not just form over function. It's all function that happens to have good form. And, um, and so, uh, he, this is a good choice for that. It's mid engine. It's stable. It's got a good wheelbase. Uh, it's got good aerodynamics. This is a really good choice. If you're going to start going really fast. Now, what's an even more incredible is that he, said when he did this, he rented out this airstrip, like a two-mile-long airstrip. He rented it out for a couple of days. And on the first day, um, they were just doing practice runs. Just practice runs. That's when he set the record. They weren't even doing it. He goes, yeah, we weren't even, we weren't, we weren't even running it on high boost yet. That was low boost. And he, he broke the record, which, by the way, he's sitting at 310.8 miles per hour um, as reported by uh, Fox News, and, um, and and in that same inter in, in that interview with Fox News, um, and he he talked about a little bit of what it feels like, what it was like, what the experience was like. I'm going to play a quick sound clip of that. Here you go. I just get in the car and do it. I don't think about it. I've been driving it a long time. I race motorcycles, uh, drag race bikes. I've been racing motorcycles and this, that, and the other. A lot of injuries from it, but. I've always found that if you think about things, you're making a mistake because you can't react quick enough when you're thinking. Everything's got to be somewhat automatic. The car's fun to drive, pulls like a bear, and um, you know it's it's a it's it's a good exhilarating run. Yeah, there you go. He, you know what? He is an absolute champion with that. And uh, now this isn't the uh, only time he's done things breaking records. He set a Guinness World Record for acceleration over a standing mile in 2012 and he had 283 miles per hour and then got it up to 292 miles per hour breaking his own record in 2017 by the way if you're familiar with how guinness world records work they're kind of tough to do they, there's a lot of rules and how they actually have to happen 
Um, so uh, it's not, I believe he just, in this case, set that top speed. Uh, now he may have to go back, that 310.8 miles per hour, he may have to go back and repeat that in a couple of more times to actually get this into the Guinness Book of World Records. But nonetheless, a absolute incredible feat of speed. Exactly the sort of thing we like around here. Really good stuff. Um, I'm even going to reach out to him, see if we can get him on the show. And uh, we've had other world record holders on the show. We had uh, Alistair Moffin on the show uh, last year, who has like 13 Guinness World Records for stunt driving. Really great interview. Um, you should definitely check that out. Scroll through your podcast feed. You will find it. So I don't see why we can't get him. I'm at least going to invite him. So we'll have to see where that goes. Now, I want to give a major thank you for sticking around with the show through 2022. Now it is 2023. Um, you know, you know what they say, you know, it set your expectations low so you're not disappointed. But you know what? I think uh, I, I, if I do say so myself, I've even obliterated my own uh, expectations with this and with you uh, listening to the show for the whole year. I want to thank every one of you listeners who support the show. I especially want to thank the Patreon members who make this show possible. Check it out. TheSpeedCouncil.org is the website you go to that takes you to the Patreon. You can get early access, all sorts of good stuff. Remember to check out the show on Rumble and YouTube, wherever you get to find shows, and I guess wherever this one is downloaded, too. It's really good stuff. Looking forward to the rest of 2023. Got some great stuff planned, and I'll see you right here, same time, same place, next week.